This is Shutters Inc. with Bruce Williams and Glenn Lavender. Hi and welcome to episode hi 500 of Shutters Inc. Say this hi and welcome to Joe. Is Bruce Williams hey, from ShuttersIncPodcast.com. Hi. hi, Bruce. As you can tell, hey, joining it's, me it's from both ends from of the planet, we have Mr. Glenn Lavender from CreativePhotoWorkshops.com.au and I'm from so Allentown wife. in Pennsylvania, we have Mr. Joe Edelman. How are you guys? <laughs> What, what did you give him to drink before we started? <laughs> Mate, he's a thousand kilometers from me. I have no responsibility for what he's ingested. <laughs> and and the, and our viewers are more than more than used to it. So, yeah. so. <laughs> uh, so Joe, you were asking how long have we been doing this? Uh, yeah, I I started this with years. No. Yeah, yeah, it feels like it. I started this with a. a previous host before Glynn, uh, back in 2005. Uh, this would be one of the three, as best as I can tell, longest running photography podcasts that are still going. So, uh, but, here's, here's, but here's the difference, though. Uh, <laughs> of those other two that have been going this long, they have more content in one episode than we've had in 500. <laughs> <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> There's nothing possible about it, dude. <laughs> uh, dear, oh dear. So, yeah, so about 16 years that I've been doing this podcast. Wow. Yeah. 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 He's, got three, he's got three more years on his sentence and then he's, he gets parole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was thinking... Oh dear! I wrote down a few questions uh, just about the last sixteen years, and oh, I thought I'd like to hear from sure. you guys. What were you shooting with sixteen years ago? I can't even remember last year. <laughs> I, I, I picked up I picked up my camera last night for the first my, my cameras I used for the first time in like eight months. Yeah, and I've forgotten how to use it. <laughs> <laughs> I, had to, I had to go do a shoot. Didn't even have a charged battery. You know, it's. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> Remember, sixteen years ago. What year was sixteen years ago? Two thousand and five. Oh five. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> what, what were you shooting with, Joe? What came after the Nikon D one? I think I would have whatever the next camera was that Nikon had. I would have been probably. You know, I might have actually has switched over to like the D two hundred by then. Just I, I, I did make that kind of crazy mistake of thinking it would make more sense to you know, go to an APS-C in the early 2000s, right? So I might have been doing a D200 then. What was your logic for thinking that APS-C would make more sense? Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure there was a whole lot of really good logic. Honestly, Bruce, <laughs> I think what it was, if, if, you, if, you, if you can still remember back that far, yeah. back in those days, Nikon digital cameras, because, you know, Nikon at first was the only player, they were just ridiculously expensive. I yeah. mean, more ridiculously expensive than they are now, any digital camera. So I was kind of feeling the squeeze on the whole, I, you know, I committed to digital right away. I went with a D1 and dropped film and then kind of realized I just spent a ton of money. I need to make some of this back. <laughs> so when they came out with the D200 series, you know, and then the D300, I kind of convinced myself, hey, I can get the job done with this. And I mean, you think about it, the D200 was actually a major quality upgrade from the D1. Right. Um, so I, yeah, I, it's just, unfortunately, they, they just never felt like solid cameras, D200, the D300. They felt like kind of toy cameras. 
Mm, okay. But that that would have been where I would have been. Like, it would have been a D200 or D300 probably at that point. Right. Yeah, I would I would have gone the first 5D Mark Mark Zero, I guess. <laughs> 5D, 5D no marks. Well, I had marks had marks on it about a week after I owned it. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was the 5D, yeah, so that's I – mean, that was revolutionary. It was yeah. shooting video, you know, it was like unheard of. And um, Sorry, did you yeah, say it, it shot video? World. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, that, that camera was the beginning of Canon kind of using Nikon to mop the floors for about eight years. <laughs> six, six, 16 years. Yeah. Nikon was first, but, but Canon quickly kind of caught up and just, you know, blew right past Nikon. Yeah, I, I think I think their things like their, was it their 300D, their entry-level model camera, I think they came out like a year or so before that. That thing just sold so many units. It made them just so much damn money that it gave them the freedom to go on to, to, to really yeah, take to, take control of the industry for the next decade. Yeah, they, they sold just a, a, a millions of those units, you know? Yeah, right. So it, was, it was the first, yeah, it was the first, felt, felt like a real camera, worked like a real camera, uh, but was digital and an SLR that the average punter could spend a couple of thousand dollars on. I remember in those days, people were buying these little micro video cameras for two and a half, three thousand dollars. Yeah. yeah. Those little pocket size ones. And so people weren't adverse to spending two and a half, three thousand dollars on a camera to be cool. And that's what the 300D did. Yeah, interesting. Maybe you buy a camera not to be cool? Why else would you buy a camera? <laughs> I thought I thought that's why you have those pictures with all the color and stuff yeah. on your face, Glenn. Should be cool with the camera. Well, it's the o- it's the only reason I have to. In fact, here's the thing: though. I wasn't even in India. I just put that in my backyard. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I, I have agoraphobia. I don't like to leave the house, so I just I just I do green screen travel. Yeah, it's a, I do green green screen photo tours. And uh, we we get we get all the other agrophobics to stand in rooms with a green screen, and we and we we sort of merge the images and pretend to travel together. <laughs> of course, I charge them full price, uh, and they have to make their own food. But other than that, yeah, it's a good it's a good gig. <laughs> I love well, it. Should, we should have done that during COVID. Yeah, green screen green screen photo tours would have been. <laughs> you sort of pretend to be walking along, you know. God, could have been a thing. Could have been a thing. Now it's too late now. You didn't start that about 12 you, months ago. You, you exactly. could have been it's a too contender. Late now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So have any of the changes that you guys have seen both in the industry and in the technology, did any of those come as a surprise? <laughs> or, um, or did you see it all coming? See, these have been questions that would have been handy earlier. So we didn't sit there going, trying to think. I, I thought yeah, it made more sense to just wing it. So, <laughs> but, but I'd like to appear to be intelligent. Before I give you my answer, I want to know if you're going to ask a follow-up question. Because if there's no follow-up question, I saw it all coming. <laughs> exactly. If there's, no de- if there's no depth to these questions, I'm in. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I would... Oh, no, nothing really. Nothing surprises me. I'm unsurprisable. <laughs> so, or, or completely uninterested. I'm so, so I guess I guess the the, the obvious follow up would be you know the decline in the industry. Did you see that coming? Did you think that you know that that, that was going to be where this would all play out sixteen years down the track? Yep. Why? I'm just going to say yes straight. Well, 
to me, because it was immediate straight away that the camera industry, as we knew it, as far as especially the retail industry, was dead. Yeah. Because um, it, it, as soon as something becomes a commodity, there's no money. The entire infrastructure of photo retail is always based around having reasonably high margin, low volume sales. And most of them either couldn't change their businesses up to become high volume, low margin. And so many stores relied on printing to be the, 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 the bread and butter of their business. And when printing died with digital or printing got devalued to the point where it was five cents a print. Yeah. Yeah. We went in Australia from when I started in this industry, it's four and a half thousand camera stores in Australia. When I started, I think there's 30 effective ones now. Wow. Not, maybe not even that, maybe 20. Jeez. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a fair demise. I agree. And I think you add to that, that, you know, the Japanese are very traditional and very staid in their ways. Mm-hmm. And from a manufacturing standpoint, the camera companies ignored smartphones from the get-go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the smartphones, basically, they took the profit margin out I, they of making cameras <laughs> because they, they took all of the compact cameras yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. And that's where the camera companies were really making their money because those cameras were cheap to produce. They didn't yeah. require a whole lot of research and development. They could knock out new models with simple design changes and people sucked them up. And yeah. now, you know, if you're just taking pictures for, you know, fun and, and you're not really into photography, why carry a camera when you've got that phone? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've had that conversation many times about just how sure. advanced the smartphone cameras are getting, you know? They just get better and better every year. Yeah, I I, I said, I said uh, so we're talking about thinking back in time, it would have been 15 years probably ago that I said the entire middle market of everything's going to die. Uh, all, all we're going to be left with is the high end and the low end. And either as a, whether you're working as a selling product or whether you're selling yourself as a business, you can make a choice now. Are you going to be the lowest or are you going to be the highest? Right. Because it's going be to be struggled city in the middle for everybody. And that pretty much proved to be the case. Yeah, right. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And so to follow on from that. Oh, damn. There's depth to these questions. <laughs> we, we, wow. Yeah, I thought, we, I, I thought we had an agreement. <laughs> He's extra prepared tonight. Go ahead. So, so you're going to scare the listeners because we're not, they're not used to this. <laughs> they're not used to preparation, yeah. So what, what do you think the changes will be in the next 16 years? Oh, I'll be dead. <laughs> it's, a fairly, it's a fairly significant change to my lifestyle. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, I, well, I, I will say this. Uh, Nikon will be dead. Yeah. Fuji... I don't know. Sony, I don't know. Canon will probably still be... I, I, I think there'll be a lot more mergers, let's put it that way. There'll be a lot more condensing of, of the big the big brands. Right. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if you see Fuji take over Nikon at some point. Yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. yeah. yeah so. I mean, unless Nikon does something similar to, you know, what Olympus does, did, where they find kind of an outside company to create yeah. a new company, I think the most logical merger for both sides it would be a fuji nikon merger yeah and then they're gonna sell fuck on <laughs> is the is the merged <laughs> oh i can't believe i didn't see that coming <laughs> so... <laughs> oh my He's done. He doesn't have to talk for the rest of the show. I was, I was just thinking the same thing. 
no one's ever heard that much silence from me on this podcast in 10 years. That's you know? it. <laughs> uh, hey, a sec, hey, a sec. Did you hear that? That's me dropping the mic. There we are. We're done. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I absolutely see the, the Fuji and Nikon. That, that makes sense. I mean, no, this whole um, Olympus going to a, a, an outside company, I mean, that's an unproven pathway that uh, that I'm sure a lot of people are looking at very, very, very carefully to, to see how that how that plays out. But, yeah, and, you know, Pentax, Rico, really, they can't be, surely can't still be in business, uh, not the photo business. <laughs> Uh, going forward, you know, um, yeah, and, and, and Sony, I mean, Sony's not making money, yeah, from, from the camera industry. No. Um, so, yeah, is it going to go? And that, remember, they were, they were huge in a lot of other areas that just stopped making, yeah, they stopped making computers, they stopped making lots of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, who's to say, you know? I think Sony is actually kind of creating their own problem, but, th- but they're still going to be the winner. And yeah. what I mean by that is Sony's making everybody's sensors. Yeah. So yeah. the irony of it is, is their camera brand actually competes with their sensor business. Exactly. Yes. And so I actually see them having to expand their camera brand, which let's face it, they're good at like, let's, let's sell a brand new camera every five months. But yeah. I see them expanding their camera brand to try and make up for the loss in sales for sensors to the companies that they're pretty much crushing at this point. So who else makes sensors other than Sony? There's a company in Israel, and I cannot remember the name of them, but uh, Nikon was getting some sensors for them for one of the more recent models. But I believe oh, okay. they went back to Sony now. Yeah, right. Don't quote me on that as a fact, but yeah. I think they're back with Sony. But yeah, there was an Israeli company that, that produced sensors for one of the Nikon series cameras in recent years. Yeah, right. But Sony's like, they're the main player. In, in sensor technology. So is there any way that Sony could divide the offerings that are coming out of its sensor division so that it maintains the upper hand for its own sensors, but without aggravating the rest of its clientele who buy their sensors? Sure, because the clientele actually does their own research and development on sensors, and then Sony adds to that research and development and does the manufacturing. So Sony's, Sony manufactures yeah. to Nikon specs or Canon specs or Olympus specs. Well, Ca- Canon actually do make some sensors themselves. Right. So they they kind of caught, they make their own and also use Sony. So you could say maybe they've got a case at some point to say, well, go away, Sony, we're just going to do our own. That can, kind yeah. of makes sense. So, yeah. But it depends on which camera. Yeah, yeah, there's some cameras it's just not worth it to, to design a sensor for when it's already out there. Um, so it's kind of pointless, but to, to have a point of difference, they, they kind of have to, at least on some of the cameras have their own sensors. Sure. Yeah, and right. if we reach a point where we really kind of max out sensor development in terms of what people are willing to spend money for, yeah. then that makes it easier for companies to kind of look for other options for making the sensors because they're not relying as much on Sony for new technology at that point. Because, I mean, we're getting to the point, how many megapixels do we need? How big a sensor do we need? <laughs> Right, we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be creating resolution that we can't actually appreciate. Yeah, and now we've got AI from Adobe that if you haven't played with it yet, that new like resolution tool that they have is freaking amazing. I, I think I think uh, camera manufacturers should make uh, sensors based on people's ages. So <laughs> like, they should make like the over fifty sensor. It could be like a one megapixel. It also oh, looks come good. On now. You know. <laughs> Okay, over 60s, over 60s. Uh, All the photos still look good, you know. They make the 20 plus one, yeah. 
Then they have the they have the then they have the male and female sensor because most men have you know, some colour blindness somewhere. So <laughs> <laughs> the, the female sensors will have all the colours. The men who cares about those ones? <laughs> so political correctness has not hit down under. I see. No. <laughs> There's nothing impolitically incorrect about saying that women are better than men. Uh, And we know it's not true, but we say these things to sound like we're sensitive. (laughs) Oh, dear, oh, dear. Uh, Well, that's the end of the formal questions. Oh, you're kidding. You had three questions. (laughs) What was like 16? Well, I thought you were going to go to it like every couple of years at least or something. 16 years ago, 12 years ago, eight years ago. Oh, God, that's that's as pathetic as as listeners have come to expect. I mean, you've you've done a solid grade A effort of bugger all right there. <laughs> you know, we'd hate to start the new the new the new uh, new five hundred episodes of any sort of quality of content. That would be a, a <laughs> yeah a serious letdown to our listeners. Uh, dear idea. <laughs> so so you have four questions. Um, what about what, what about printing technology? I mean, that, that's changed, and also at the same time, not really changed that much over the last decade. You know, I remember I remember looking at uh, a, a place called Silverbrook Research back in two thousand and six, two thousand and seven, maybe. So yeah, you know, right. fifteen years ago, back in that same sort of era, and they were demonstrating wide format printers. Uh, and we're talking like 100 inch wide printers that could print that could print a two meter or six foot long print in about 40 seconds. Wow! You know, uh, they, these guys that just had this phenomenal. So basically, the, there was no printer head. The entire the entire width of the printer was the head. There was basically just millions of print heads all all in one, and wow. these things just just flew out the images. Yeah, you know? but here we are, 15 years later, and how long does it take to print a 20 by 30 inch printer, a home printer? You know? <laughs> it's like it's like dial-up internet back in the day, you know. Yeah. You know, or back in when you used to have to do like load a game onto your computer via cassette. You set it go and go and have lunch, yeah. and come back. And it's it's almost finished. That's that's like sort of printing at home's like, you know. Um, yeah, the printing so, technology hasn't advanced much. Fortunately, the software that goes with the printers is a lot better. But the printers, I mean, the, qual- the quality is fabulous. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. The qual- but just things like things like speed and economy and yeah, uh, uh, you know, variability of yeah, you know, doing things different at least. You know, it just seems to be very static for a long time. Yeah, sure. Well, the other thing that's rough about doing home printing is. Once somebody educates you about how much money they make on the ink, yeah, you really just don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, uh, I mean, obviously the ink is ridiculously expensive, and when you realize what the markup is on that ink, you understand why all those companies make their own ink. They don't really care about the printers; they that's care about the ink. That's why you can go down to your nearest, you know, big box shop and buy a printer for fifty nine dollars. Exactly, nineteen. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Who's, who's paying 50? I'm getting three for that price, dude. <laughs> yeah. And and at that point, you realise that it's just a whole lot easier to dump your images onto a USB key, head down to a, you know, a shopping centre, and you, you can get your prints in half an hour for 12 cents each or something. Yeah. It's crazy. But no one's printing any... No one, no one, no one but photographers are printing anyway. Yeah. 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 Your mom, your mom and dad, your mum and dad's... The, the, this, generally, they'll only do it if there's a, as a reason, like there's an anniversary or a, uh, you know, some event that they need to have some images for. You know, someone's someone's you know, 
pop their clogs and yeah. need to have something for the cop something for the coffin kind of stuff, you know. So, so yes, yeah, so, I mean, the, the the volume of printers is, is is probably the biggest, certainly one of the biggest changes in in the last fifteen years in 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 the industry. It was one of the things I was going to comment about the the print technology you you mentioned a few minutes ago, Glenn, about being able to print a you know hundred inch wide print two meters long in forty seconds. The problem is, where's the demand for the product? You know, who who needs oh, that, and how industrial. often? Industrial, I mean, industrial printing houses would, would love it. I'm oh, sure. Sure. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Volume, uh, volume and price. But but yeah, based on the, on that same line of thinking as far as um, yeah, printing or no one printing. Then we talk about the digital dark age of these last fifteen years. Of where are all these photos that people have taken in the last fifteen years, and will they ever see them again? Yeah, they're all yeah. sitting on hard drives. Yeah, and where are the hard drives? And where are the cables for that hard drive? Where's the power supply for that hard drive? You know, um, all gone. Well, this is, that could just be my case. Well, or, yeah. or increasingly, <laughs> I guess more and more people are putting their photos into the cloud, whether it's iCloud or Google Photos or Flickr or whatever. And I guess that becomes their permanent photo album. And when they do want to look at their photos, that's where they go. I would, I would, I would Google how many cloud services have gone out of business in the last 15 years. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so I mean, there's lots of people tried online storage. Kodak tried to do it. You know, all sorts of companies have tried to do it. Right. Uh, obviously, people like Apple, yeah, have a little more more success in that kind of thing, and and Google. But how? Do, what if people forget how to access them? What if they forget where they put them? Yeah, you know? and what if they put upscale them at the wrong resolution? Like Boxes with their negatives. Yeah, exactly, exactly. At least, at least you, know, you can you can do something with that. You know, uh, I was talking this yesterday on Clubhouse. I was having a talk about um, people people going on about oh, I want to get my Instagram up to fifty thousand followers and saying, well, well that, the, if Instagram went down tomorrow, how would you contact those fifty thousand people? And they're yeah. like, uh, yeah, they're, they're <laughs> non. They're, they're not they're not viable. They're, just because you've got 50,000 followers doesn't mean you've got a business. You've just got 50,000 people you're about to lose. Yeah. You know? uh, so it's the same thing. You, you, you might have got 50,000 photos on the cloud. Doesn't mean that's going to be something you're going to be able to get to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Well, not really, because the way you're saying it sounds like boring as batshit. Yeah, that, that's... that's uh, I was, uh, I was like, filling oh, while I was okay. trying to think of another question, Glenn. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, some shows have the hosts with the most. We've got the hosts with the least. It's just terrible. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know why we keep him on our show, Joe. I tell you. <laughs> there you go. I'm not sure. I thought we should cut. We should cut out the middleman. Just send him the the audio. And say, put that up for us. <laughs> oh my God. So I, here, I want to know since I wasn't around then. You know, I'm the new guy. <laughs> You're so young. How did, oh. Right. Exactly. How, yeah, how did right. you guys actually start this? Wh- whose idea was it? Okay, so I'll, the story there is I was doing some freelance audio, like as you know, I'm an audio engineer by trade. That's that's my bread and butter, and I was doing freelance for the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, the ABC, back in 2005. It was May, and I heard about podcasting through an internal email that went around saying the ABC recently hosted this uh, podcasting symposium in Melbourne. For those who couldn't get to it, if you want to hear it, you can click on this link and have a listen to it. So I listened to it and, and it was the first time I'd ever heard of podcasting. And I immediately thought, wow, this is 
potentially game-changing because there will be the potential to hear content that I would never hear on radio. Mm-hmm. And so I I got excited as a as a listener more than as a content producer. And these were very early days of podcasting, of course. And so I went looking right. for content and I found stuff that I wanted to listen to. But the production quality was absolutely awful because nobody had a clue how to do it. And so I thought, right. okay, me as an audio engineer, I could create a podcast that explains to people how to do better audio production and home recording so as to create a decent sounding podcast. So the first podcast I started was how to use Adobe Audition, which at the time was what I was using. And -hmm. then I had this idea that I would, you know, build a network of of podcasts. And, you know, one of the podcasts that I felt like doing was photography because I'd always loved photography. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys who was a journo at the radio station that I was working at at the ABC, he just happened to say to me, if you ever want to do a photography podcast, I can put you in touch with a guy in Melbourne uh, who might be keen. Mm-hmm. And so I reached out to this guy, Shelton, and... We started the podcast. You know, I, I gave him a call. I said, hey, I got your number from Alex. He said, you might be interested in doing a photography podcast. We had a bit of a chat. We said, yep, let's make it happen. And so we started doing just that. You know, I was in Sydney. He was mm-hmm. in Melbourne. Uh, we'd record via Skype, much like we still do. And, you know, Shelton was uh, co-host for probably the first seven years or so, I guess. And then he and Glenn had started a uh well, you guys started Creative Photo Workshops together, didn't you, Glenn? Well, technically, I started and he worked for me. Right, okay. <laughs> but right. but we, we always did the appearance of that we were a team. Yeah, right. So when Shelton said to me that he, he needed to step away from the podcast because yeah, there were things going on in his life that he needed to deal with, I tried to do the podcast by myself for a little while and realized very quickly that that wasn't going to work and so can, I reached- can you can you can you let us know what the numbers of those episodes are so anyone who's <laughs> listening now who hasn't heard them can avoid them <laughs> probably the half dozen before you started <laughs> so whenever that was uh so yeah so then i reached out to glenn and said hey you know would you be interested in coming on board as as a co-host and and my answer was i've got absolutely nothing to say but i've got a lot of it to say yes that's right he said just try and shut me up (laughs) and and six months later here we are and i've been been trying to shut him up ever since (laughs) yeah so that's the uh, that's the brief version joe Cool. So, 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 how did how did your empire of podcasts work out? Look, at one point, I was putting out eleven podcasts a week. Wow! But gradually, over time, you know, various of those podcasts fell by the wayside for different reasons, and I I got back to a point where I just had this and one of my audio production related podcasts, a podcast called Sign Language, and that also got to a point where I just lost the momentum with it and so that went by the wayside and this is the last man standing. So there we go. I've got to say, if nothing else, uh, this podcast itself has has a remarkable record of 
um, not gaining one extra listener in the last four or five hundred episodes. Uh, we've had the seven uh, from the beginning, and and they're still there. You know, it's um, well, it's good to know we haven't lost any, mate. Well, they're almost like family. Uh, in other words, uh, we don't talk to them; we never visit them. Yeah. <laughs> Just like family. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a fair effort. I mean. You think we've got it tough having to record it? How bad have they got? They're going to listen to it. Yeah, <laughs> they only have to listen to it once. Yeah, good point. I, I've, I've never listened to one episode. So, oh, oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> oh dear, oh dear! Oh my! Has podcast- so what should we look forward to for the next five hundred, Bruce? <sighs> More of the same, well, I guess. <laughs> It's all downhill from here, people. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm told next week's episode is going to be pretty special. Yeah, yes. But uh, we'll, right. we'll see how that pans out. But uh, that's right. Or you want to start the, the new the new generation, the next 500, with a with, with a bit of a bang, you know, but a bit of bit yep. of, yeah, bit of higher level content. So look forward to that one. <laughs> so, so we might not do one next week. <laughs> 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 yeah, so the thing is, Joe, with our, with our podcast, um, the most interaction we ever have on social media is when we put up a, 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 a thing saying, no podcast this week. It has the, the most, most interactions. <laughs> There's the most, 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 most connection to, to customers. Yeah, so, yeah, we, we should take the hint. <laughs> we could go out with a fizzle at 500. There you go. <laughs> and how, how's your podcasting efforts coming along, Joe? Uh, it's getting there. I mean, you know, slowly but surely. Yeah. I got to I gotta catch Glenn before we say goodnight tonight because I want to actually uh, see if I can get him to come on and, and talk to him. But um, you just, just have to, you just have to get, give me a long list of words I'm not allowed to use and I'm right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so no, no fuck on, for starters. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll skip that one. But, <laughs> Joe's both nastier than me and nicer than me at the same time. You right. know, it's. it's a, <laughs> I said. I said. Um, well, I had a name for the for the uh, the, the podcast. This this episode should be called "The Ego Has Landed." It kind of fits us all perfectly. Nice. <laughs> I'd like to break into the podcast briefly to mention that we now have a Patreon account. If you get any value at all from our photographic giggle fest each week, we'd really appreciate it if you could spare a couple of bucks a month just to help keep the servers running. The link will be in the show notes. Much appreciated. Now, back to the podcast. Well, how's podcasting changed in the last in the, in this duration of five hundred episodes? As, as, as the world of podcasting, obviously, volume, the system oh, podcast and everything these days. Yeah, lots of things have changed in the world of podcasting. You know, when I started, I was hand writing the RSS feed in a text editor. Whoa. These days, nobody has to do that, and I imagine very few people would know how to do it if they had to do it. Yeah. Beyond that. Old media outlets have absolutely embraced podcasting. I think for probably the first eight to ten years, large media pretty much ignored it and thought it was a fad that yeah. would go away. And when they realized that, you know, you had the likes of the Joe Rogans of the world who were gaining, you know, massive, massive audiences 
and earning significant amounts of money from it, that's when, you know, old media thought, okay, this is something we need to pay attention to. And now, you know, they've kind of crowded out the small indie content creators like myself, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. or ourselves collectively. So, so, so they saw us as a, as, as a threat, is what you're saying? Uh, I, I don't know whether they saw us as a threat, but they certainly came to realise that this was a way to reach a very targeted audience that they couldn't do with advertising. Mm-hmm. You know, typical advertising is very much a scattergun approach, you know, It's like flinging shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. Whereas with podcasting, you can create very niche content and know that the people who are going to tune in and listen to it every episode are people who are absolutely, you know, on board with that content. And therefore, it's it's a captive market. Sorry, I missed your snide comment. What was that? Oh, there was no snide comment. (laughs) Yeah. That'd be a first. I think, I think there's a generational shift that's coming too. I mean, the, the the people that are coming of age in terms of having money to spend disposable income at this point, they they haven't known a life really without yeah. YouTube, and and yeah. they're inundated with video and especially entertainment, and they're realizing that they can actually multitask better because we still seem to feel that it's really really important to do lots of multitasking but they can multitask better with with an audio piece than they can a video piece because the audio piece it's in their head but they can still do something else whereas the video you kind of got to watch it if you want to know what's going on look i see my 20 year old son who will lie on his bed reading a book on his phone whilst he has Mm -hmm. music playing and he's got youtube running on the tv at the same time and he's consuming three (laughs) kinds of media simultaneously yeah it's about video though i mean the the attention span of video is getting so narrow now if it goes beyond nine seconds it's too long (laughs) seriously i mean face facebook reels instagram reels all this stuff they want yeah up until nine seconds you've got you've, you've maybe got your audience for the first three seconds maybe and anything beyond nine is too long. Yeah. You know, and they'll, and they'll judge. If you can keep people on watching your video from beyond two seconds to at least seven seconds, they'll they'll highlight your video more. But if you can't engage people in the first three seconds, bad luck, your video won't get anything. I think one yeah. of you two actually said in one of our recent episodes that th- this also fits into that there's no middle ground anymore. It's either yeah. uber short or it's your Game of Thrones that's, you know, a hundred hours of content. Yeah. And there's, there's nothing in the middle that grabs people anymore. Yeah. But, hey, Glenn, you're, you're, kind, of, you're, you're kind of dating yourself, man. No, <laughs> nobody watches. Hey, nobody watches. I, 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 like, reels. I like myself so much. <laughs> but, I've ne- but I've never dated myself. In- Instagram, <laughs> Instagram reels were so second half of 2020 it's all about tiktok man and, and i gotta tell you no, you're, TikTok was first you're, half of 2020 you're 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 tasting color and and tiktok man it's your thing like you're missing out <laughs> like you're missing out tiktok I, all the way i i tried my first ever uh tiktok a couple of days ago Zero views, <laughs> zero likes. I thought, yeah, that seems appropriate. So then, I'm sure, I'm sure in Australia they have dancing coaches. Go take some lessons, come back. And, and, you know, I think you'd make. I think I'd make more views from how bad I would dance without the lessons than actually getting any form of, <laughs> any form of style. But, 
<laughs> the dancing photographer. I can see it now, you know. Or the, the or the flailing the flailing photographer, um, but no, but, but because I had no views and no likes, I figured well I should make a a, a, a five hundred episode podcast about this uh, quality of my work. Right. Yeah. But uh, it it is yeah this this whole. I remember years ago, I think it was about ten years ago, I was uh, on an app called Twelve Seconds. And it was a video <laughs> app that all they wanted to do is you had twelve second videos, yeah. and I thought, bang, this is this is it. They were talking about you know, foreseeing the future. I said, this is going to be huge, I, and I and I jumped on it, and I didn't necessarily load content, but I was you know, as an observer watching what was happening, and they went out of business, and I couldn't believe that something that seemed to me to be so perfect for the digital age that that short they got replaced it by vines, which were six seconds. <laughs> No, but then, but then ten years later, ten years later, that's it. It's that's all that, that, that yeah. uh, they were just so far ahead of of what uh, people were looking for, or what we told people they should be looking for. Different thing altogether. Yeah. Uh, that, that that really surprised me that they went out of business. You know. Yeah. That, that's the thing with the technology. You got to keep trying new things all the time and see what hits. Yeah. You know? Definitely. Yeah. And that's pretty much been Google's approach. You know, they try things yeah. and what doesn't work, they can and they move on. Yeah. And, you know. Sure. Nice to have the money to do it. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I I I I refuse to spend my billions on getting my TikTok profile up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just yeah, just yeah. I've got the video crew on 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 standby just in case. Yeah. You know, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm but uh, uh, I, I just I just fin- I just finished I just finished shooting a video last week for the, the new Tamron project I'm doing and. Um, I've got, got a new video guy this time. So I've gone from a guy who is like traditional, yeah, and not and beautiful work to a young punk. And my God, the style is so completely different, you know, just everything from type of focus, yeah, depth and feel. And, and I'm looking at going, my God, he's almost made me look a, a slim, uh, which I, which is a part of the brief, uh, <laughs> a slim <laughs> and B interesting, which is two, two bloody difficult things to do, you know. <laughs> So it's, it's 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 really amazing to see just just how the new generation of creators are, are, are seeing the world. Yeah, and it's like my god, yeah, and it just yeah, it makes you just feel old, you know, because I just don't. I, I I can recognize the beauty of it. I just have no idea how to even think about starting creating it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yep. uh, I think they have a different priority set. I, for me, I think one of the things that's cool about looking at younger photographers today, number one, they're much, much more categorically, they're much, much more into the emotion of the pictures than I think we were as a generation. And number two, they don't give a damn about rules and tradition. Yeah. yeah. They shoot for two things. One, the moment, and two, their experience. Yeah. And I think they're the smart ones. Honestly, I really do. I think they're the smart ones. I know at least in my career, I spent a lot of time chasing what I was told. This is what you're supposed to be doing. This is how it's done. And I think the younger generation is maybe a little bit more in tune with remembering why they picked up a camera, why they fell in love with photography and not letting go of that. Because the ones that we are seeing start to be successful and making money, they're doing it kind of their way. Yeah. You know, I, I know a lot of the work I look at and when I look at it, I kind of have two immediate reactions. Like the first one that hits me is the traditional one. Like, oh, that's kind of really raw stuff there. And then after I get through a couple of pictures, it's like the realization of like, yeah, but it's really cool. 
like it's it's really actually interesting to look at this stuff you know but but i'm still pre-wired with that response of like ah that lighting's harsh or oh you know that composition's really weird but then when you start to look at the body work you realize like this stuff is different and different in a good way like it's engaging it pulls you in and it makes you look at it yeah it's cohesive it's cohesively different yeah it's it's, uh, yeah yeah amazing how it works yeah yeah Alrighty. Well, on that happy note, we're all out of jobs. <laughs> oh, I didn't have one to start with, so we're okay there. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you for joining me for episode 500. Been a lot of laughs. And... No, Johnny Oz. It's all about him. Have you noticed it's always about him? <laughs> tell you, uh, Bruce and Others is what the podcast should be called, Joe. It's, it's, yeah, exactly it's always been me, 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 me. He doesn't let me get a word in edgewise. <laughs> Totally. I, I went. I went from feeling <laughs> special as a guest, yes, to feeling all right. He's dumb enough to fill in because the other guy's got something better to do. <laughs> to now finding out, like I'm like number four down on the list of you know. It's like great. Every, every time I show up, I'm just I'm getting knocked a little further down the list. And it's like, okay. Well, the, the the first two are both Bruce, so yeah. <laughs> you've got to be a fair way down the list, regardless. You know. <laughs> <sighs> oh, uh, well, I, I, as as I always say, uh, I'd like to say uh, these 500 episodes have been great. <laughs> I'd really, I'd, I'd, I'd really like to have said that, but unfortunately, they've been what they've been. Um, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it is a milestone. I'm going to say it's, it's a, it's a, a milestone to be proud of, Bruce, that you've got this far, <laughs> even with you know, co-hosts like me and Joe. Um, but Thank yeah, you. It, it is, it is definitely something to be proud of, and uh, I hope we can have tens of more episodes to go. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Excellent. All right, guys. Well, I will uh, talk with you uh, again soon, no doubt. <laughs> Let's do a three-way again some other time because this is more fun than talk- more fun than talking to just Bruce, Joe. I tell you, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds good. We Anytime, should. guys. We should. All right. So yeah. Bye, Bye all. Shutters Inc. Another audio for questions, comments, and feedback, email the boys at shuttersinpodcast.com. Well, it was it was one of our least worst podcasts. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There's something to be said for that. <laughs> wait, wait for the dynamic feedback from our listener. Episode 500. What a milestone. What a millstone. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Around my neck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.